1: 7 FNC, final hour of today's Nick Wilson show. If you missed any of today's show, WFNC.com for the full hours, bits, and interviews. We just listened to most of Baker Mayfield's introductory press conference to the Charlotte media. Uh, some stuff I want to react to here in a minute. Coming up in just about uh, 20 minutes, we are going to get into the five questions. The five burning questions are already up on at Nick Wilson Says on Twitter and in my Instagram stories. If you haven't followed me on Instagram right now, uh, what the hell are you doing? Slide into them DMs. Hit up them DMs, friend, uh, at Nick Wilson says. You'll get a lot of pictures of dogs, of meat, of uh, of me. What more could you want from an Instagram that doesn't involve like hot women? All right, like I'm the best thing on Instagram that isn't a hot woman. With that being said, again, at Nick Wilson says. With that being said, with, uh, with 20 minutes to go to the five questions, that is probably the exact way Baker Mayfield needed to handle his press conference. Because I asked you guys, what were your main takeaways from Baker Mayfield's press conference? Tar Heel B saying his maturity. And the truth is that there's going to be a time for Baker to beat his chest. There's going to be a time for Baker to take a victory lap, whether it's on week one against the Cleveland Browns. Today probably wasn't, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason it took almost a full week from when Baker Mayfield uh, w- became a Carolina Panther and when it was introduced to the media, Never never forget, on the 7th, he was in town for his physical. Once the deal is consummated, that's usually the day they bring somebody out to the media. I think the reason they took an extra five days is I think they wanted certain things to come out of what Baker had to say. It was in the Carolina Panthers' best interest for Baker Mayfield to tread lightly and run the cliche machine that entire press conference. Me, Nick Wilson, who's like Baker Mayfield since day one, uh, I like the guy that pounds his chest and tells you exactly what's what. The guy who does not walk, talk, and act like an NFL quarterback. I think at some point, if this team's going to get over the hump this year, which is something we can talk about, some of the things he said about this team, um, if if they're going to do that, there's going to be a point where Baker Mayfield, the, the guy who grabs his crotch and plants flags at Ohio State's 50-yard line, that dude is going to have to show up. That attitude is going to have to show up. But for today, it's pretty fair, uh, Nick, on the, the text line here saying, uh, Baker won the press conference. He won the press conference by avoiding saying really any kind of headline worthy thing. And it started off. I can't remember who asked the question, Uh, but uh, he had said, you know, he was asked about week one and he said, it's going to be special one. You know, I've experienced this. He kind of alluded to his time uh, going from uh, playing college in uh, Texas A&M to then going to Oklahoma, kind of alluded to having that similar set up in college, having experience with games like this. I thought, you know what? because I, I, I saw a few people pointed this out, and I think it was Big Cat Dan who was the first one to put it out on the Garage Door Guru text line. I've tried to explain to people listening who don't want Baker Mayfield, I've tried to explain how bad of a context that guy's walked into. Because at some point in the last two years, the national media has decided the Cleveland Browns aren't the same old Cleveland Browns anymore, which is funny, because Jimmy Haslam... Still owns a team. Which is funny, because Kevin Stefanski, if he makes it through a third year, will be the first coach to make it through year three since Romeo Cronell did back in 2007. Every other coach has been fired inside their first, I want to say it is, 32, carry the, first 40 games, 41 games as head coach. It, It, and I still think I have not changed my mind. I have not fully bought into the idea they're not the same old Browns. I like Kevin Stefanski. I like Andrew Barry. I think both guys, not because they went to, to Ivy League, but because of decisions they've made, I think both guys show an incredible amount of promise. But that's still an organization that four years ago had the number one pick for the second straight year. That's still the same organization. And I thought Baker... He wasn't doing it to attack the Browns. He was doing it to add some um, some context to this situation. He was asked about, you know, is does he have enough time to learn the playbook? And he said, yeah, it's going to be a cram. It, you, uh, there's a lot of relationships I have to get into. There's a lot of playbooks I have to get into. He did point out that, you know, one one nice consolation here is uh, James Campen was the O-line coach in uh, Cleveland. I think it was three years ago. So he kind of understands the protection calls already. That is pretty significant. Do not doubt that you and I, it means literally nothing to us because we've never played quarterback in the NFL for Baker Mayfield. It's a huge leg up in, in understanding how to facilitate and run this offense. But I think the, without intending to, he also hinted in his answers that he had to learn four separate playbooks in four years. So as much as I can tell you about the Cleveland Browns organization in the fact that I still need more proof that that isn't a dumpster fire of an organization. And and honestly, the the Deshaun Watson thinks either going to be the thing that brings them all the way back. He's going to play the next 10 years there. He's going to win a Super Bowl. He's going to reach them to heights that Baker had yet to, to, to lead them to, or... He won't be there in two years because of legal issues or some other issue, and they're going to be on a hook for a lot of money. I don't really see it going in between those two things because Cleveland's a bad organization and have been since they came back into the NFL. But four playbooks in four years is an incredible illustration. We've talked about this a lot. We've talked a lot about... I'm a firm believer in... Quarterbacks can be ruined by bad situations. I don't know that Brandon Whedon would have ever been Joe Montana. But Brandon Whedon walking into the constant turnover and bad offensive coordinators, I don't think the Browns ever put Brandon Whedon or Johnny Manziel or maybe Brady Quinn's a little different because I think they drafted him year three of the Romeo Cornell era. But I've just seen Cleveland fail a quarterback. Even Tim Couch. They just threw that kid out there week one to get the crap kicked out of him. It ruined him physically. The Cleveland Browns, because of the, the circumstances that Baker Mayfield walked into, the Cleveland Browns very well could have ruined any quarterback that wasn't Baker Mayfield. Josh Allen walked into a perfect situation in Buffalo. Buffalo had already made the playoffs under Sean McDermott. Uh, I think that was year two of Brian Dable as well as the offensive coordinator Brandon Bean had been there for a minute. There was at least a modicum of stability when when he walked in the door. I think that aided. They had more patience right that organization had a lot of, there were a lot of people after the the year 2 performance where Josh Allen had taken a step forward but then crapped the bed in the playoffs there are a lot of people saying he'll never be a franchise quarterback walk away from him 2 years later those people probably aren't admitting in public that they said that crap we've talked a lot about the context of Sam Darnold uh walking into the New York Jets everybody gave him credit for well you can't really hold it against Sam because Head coach, quarterback, play caller, offensive line, all these things. The difference between those two is all things can be said about either the Browns or Jets situations Darnold and Baker walked into. The difference is Baker was the demonstrably better quarterback. The first two years, there were a lot of ups and downs. The first, his rookie year, Baker really was pretty bad until the probably final six games of that year. The second year with Freddie Kitchens, it was just a bad year with another head coach. We finally saw who I think is some approximation of the real Baker Mayfield year three. That's better than anything we saw from Sam at any point in New York. So I look at Baker as somebody who survived a bad organization. He helped elevate Cleveland to a point where Deshaun Watson would want to go there. Regardless of the off the field stuff, if 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 Cleveland's continuously one in fifteen or zero and zero and sixteen zero and seventeen whatever it is leading up to this year, Deshaun Watson isn't isn't walking into that situation. He'll take the two hundred and fifty plus guaranteed somewhere else. Baker Mayfield stabilized the Cleveland Browns, and I think he can do it here. What else stood out to you guys about the the Baker Mayfield introductory press conference? Because I agree. He, he won. He, he gave us a little bit of insight when he was asked about, you know, the, 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 the changes that how the process of the last couple of months played out. And he basically admitted like, you know, the business people had to adjust financially and You know, he ended up having to come down on his price a little bit. We knew that, but it was interesting to hear how he handled that. I still think that's a really tricky question to answer when you've got a guy who can be a little bit of a lightning rod. I thought he handled that well. You know, the thing that upset me the most, it was something that didn't even come out while we were airing the Baker Mayfield press conference. The thing that upset me the most was finding out the progressive commercials aren't coming here. We do have progressive in this market, right? Like that's because Cleveland is a huge market for progressive. Like you can't listen to 92.3, the fan, the station I'm going back to without hearing a progressive commercial in an hour or multiple pro- progressive. I have heard more Flo, and Jamie and all those. I've heard more of them than I think almost any person has in the history of human beings, given how much I still listen to Cleveland and how much I listen down here. I think that's a missed opportunity. You know what? All right. If I'm Baker, here's what we do. I say, ah oh, yeah, the progressive commercials are done. And then I, I maybe record one in the low low. And after if, if you spank the Browns ass week one, you gotta bring the progressive commercials back, right? Like take the heat off, do the right thing, all that stuff, do the right thing, but then the second, the second you get on the good side of Carolina Panthers, the progressive commercials are back with a vengeance,
0: fitting. Or we just team him up with Limu, Emu, and Doug. And Liberty Ooh. Mutual. Plus. So he
1: turns on progressive. Yeah,
0: let's make it a dude. Let's make it a war. Or
1: what? I mean, what quarter? What NFL quarterback wouldn't love to be with uh, with Allstate? That, aren't they the one the discount double check with Aaron Rodgers and Pat no, Mahomes? No,
0: that's, that's State Farm, bro. Uh, I don't really know the difference. Um, Allstate well, has the the guy with the really deep voice. Oh,
1: Baker Mayfield and J.K. Simmons from uh, what was the drumming movie? That's not great that I can't remember that. I watched the movie. It was great. You Miles, watched the movie about drumming? My, well, it's not really about drumming. Way, way to be as reductive as I just was. But Miles <laughs> Teller was fantastic in that. And J.K. Simmons was a raving lunatic. So he was fantastic. Yeah, J.K. Simmons and
0: Baker Mayfield, give it to me. He also did say he is excited for his first Bojangles meal.
1: Baker, I know you and are, in, are are around
0: town. If you're in town before the end of this week... Let me be your Bojangles Sherpa. If you had one Bojangles in Charlotte, you're sending him to. Mm-hmm. Like it's a make or break for him to be a Bojangles connoisseur. Yeah. What Bojangles are you sending Baker Mayfield? Well, it's not
1: the one in Pineville. Let's just get that one right out of the. No offense to those those <laughs> folks that work there. in um, <laughs> I? I re, I do like the one down the station, down the road from the station. Is
0: that on South? The one on Freedom, or the from? one on West on West Boulevard? Uh, good. yes, that's a great question. Yes, <laughs> is the right answer.
1: There's also so there's one that's tough to get to from here because they closed off one of the access points. There's one just on uh, just on the other side of uh, I think that's 77. That's like kind of on a nook. And Hacksaw used to take me there all the time. I can't remember what street it's on. It's fantastic. That's the one I'm taking him to. And you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, listen, Baker, Emily, if you're going to give Bojangles one shot, also people saying it was Whiplash. Thank you for sending that in. You had Whiplash from watching Whiplash. So with Baker and Emily, I don't think I just start them out with the Cajun Filet Biscuit. I think I I take them straight to the Uva, which is Bowberry Biscuits. With the Cajun filet sandwich and pimento cheese on top, I think I start them out at an elite level. You know, we're not wading into the Bojangles waters. We're getting, we're getting bees deep in Bojangles. If I'm, if, if I'm their Bojangles Serpa, right, we're not just going to do a little bit of the drugs. We're doing all the drugs. If you're going to let me introduce Baker Mayfield and Emily Mayfield to Bojangles. Are they getting Bo
0: rounds or Cajun or are they getting seasoned fries?
1: Well, if they're with me, it's 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 Bojangles. You can get seasoned fries anywhere. Their seasoned fries are very good, by the way.
0: Underrated. I I,
1: I didn't give them enough a chance at first. But the bow rounds, that's a different level. Bow rounds with a Cajun fillet biscuit, with a yuva as it's known, and that sweet tea, it hits different, guys. Baker Mayfield will never want to leave. He'll accept a team friendly contract because Nick Wilson next year he'll be like, I'll play for ten million a year. I don't even give a damn just keep me around bojangles that's what nick wilson's greater legacy will be here or legacy or a legacy uh if if you let me be baker mayfield's bojangles sherpa what else stood out to you about the baker mayfield press conference the 5 key questions next on sports radio 927 fnc <laughs> It's Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. About 40 minutes left. Hashtag shut it down. Tomorrow, we'll have three shows left. Let's make every moment count. And I, I want to continue to say thank you to everybody who continues to reach out with good words. Uh, you know, we've had a few people listening from Cleveland Um because of the Baker stuff and they've been very kind, but just, you know, like dynamic Mark, uh, our, our guy, Mark from men Hill was just talking. And, and uh, I've seen so many of the nice things you guys have said about the show and about our, our four years here. Um, I think I said this last week when I announced that I was going back to home and that I'm going back home to 92, three, the fan and to live back in Northeast Ohio. um, to me, the worst radio hosts, whether it's sports talk or otherwise, do it for themselves. In a, in a way, we all do it for ourselves. You know, If you're working in this business and you don't, you don't care about the, the product, then you should get the hell out of it. This business is too trying not to give everything you have to it and to make sure that you put everything into every show you do. But to me, the people, and this is how I grew up. My dad was a radio guy. And it's something that, you know, it's one of the reasons why my dad loved Howard Stern, whether he loved or hate Howard and what he does. Um, and it's the the thing that I feel like I've seen in true, who I consider to be true radio people. It is that you do it as much for the connection with the audience as you do it for your own ego. And the more it becomes about your own ego versus the audience, you know, and the audience starts to drop in terms of the importance, the less good you are at your job. And so... It's doing great things hearing what you guys have to say about, uh, about, you know, it's helping my ego, but you guys have made the show. So I just, I want to continue to reinforce that. I can't say that enough this week about how much this, this town and this station and these listeners and just the area has endorsed and embraced the Wilson family and how much I just, you've made this place home. You've helped make this place home for me. And that means more than I could ever tell you Uh, in the meantime. We just had the, the Baker Mayfield stuff. Any reaction you guys have on that? Again, what were your big takeaways from the Baker press conference? He he played ball. He didn't say a lot. That's exactly what he should have done. In the meantime, let's get to our five key questions. The answers have come a-storming in already. Adnick Wilson says on both Twitter and on Instagram. Hit me up in the DMs. Adnick Wilson says, follow me. Adnick Wilson says, itty-bitty-fitty, let's get started here. Uh, number five of our five key questions. I can't remember what made me think of it. I think I was in traffic this morning, and I saw a young kid driving like a Mustang. He couldn't have been more than 17 years old, and he was driving a Mustang, what looked to be... Uh, on a way to a summer job or something, and I hated the kid instantly. I felt bad about it.
0: So, itty-bitty-fitty, what was your first car? It was a 1995 red and white Ford F-150 that, as you could expect, because it it was state red, I had as much Carolina blue on the windshields to make people know I was not a state fan. Mm-hmm. That was my... It was my, my mom's dad's truck.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. see... Mine was a 1986 Toyota Camry, Ooh. and my family, I feel like I'm the only person in my family who who cares to have, like, a nice newer car. Uh, my family has always car hopped. They've always just taken clunkers and just gone from clunker to clunker. So this Toyota Camry started out as my my sister's car. Then my dad used it for a little bit. Then it went back to my sister, and then finally, on its last legs, came to me. And right before I got my 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 second car, which was my '78 Ford Thunderbird, orange with a, a burnt orange with like a red, uh, orange shag carpets inside, my what my favorite car I've ever owned until my Dodge. I loved that car, but I knew it was time to get a new car when I was going down a really steep hill in Northeast Ohio and the brakes gave out on me. And when I say the brakes gave out on me there were no brakes <laughs> and I had to use I, I had to use uh, counter force by driving over some smaller hills and use the e-brake the entire way and I when I finally got home I hit the e-brake so hard because of adre- adrenaline when they came to junk the car they couldn't they had to cut the brakes on it they could not get it the emergency brake to go down that's what I remember about my 1986 Toyota Camry so the first of our five questions, Send them in. What was your first card? Number four. A lot of firsts on this list. Because uh, there's the first sporting event you went to, and then there's the first sporting event you remember attending. My parents, when I was little, when it was dirt cheap to go to uh, to Guardians Games, they... Uh, I definitely remember... I know that I went to a lot of games that I don't remember going to because my parents were really big on taking us to Cleveland sports games. So the first game I remember is 1988. The uh, then Indians against the Milwaukee Brewers. And I remember it because we got situated only to find out that my dad who had bought tickets off uh, off somebody on the street. Turns out they were scalped. Mm. And... So the, it was very nice because the, the usher saw that we were a young family, and my dad was like, "I just gave this guy, you know, at the time whatever it was, 40, 50 bucks, like, I, I, can't, I like I got robbed." And they're like, "Well, just go sit in center field." But my mom, the entire way, because it was like third baseline, four rows up, the best seats we had, we would have ever gotten at that time. Could have never afforded the real thing. And so my mom, the whole walk to center field. You got scalped. I mean, just ripping my dad a new one. And as we were getting to center field, there's a home run to dead center, probably by Albert Bell, if I'm remembering correctly, that fell like four rows uh, short of us. And my mom was like, that doesn't make up for it. My mom just refused to let my dad have it. (laughs) Just refused to let my dad have it. So, Guardians game, 1988. Um,
0: yeah, in, in Old Municipal Stadium. How about you? The one that I think that I remember going to was actually my first game, and it was Panthers, and I want to say it was the Rams, at Bank of America Stadium, and uh, it was a birthday gift. And then with the birthday money, I bought my first-ever jersey. I bought a Steven Davis jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first one that I can remember. We used to go to, like, one Panther game every year mm-hmm. for, like, four years. And then the economy crashed in 08. My dad hasn't been back since. And then you became a Dallas Cowboys fan.
1: That kind of lines not, up. If, the, if not for the housing crisis of 2008, <laughs> you, might be, uh, the, you, you might not be the most pathetic thing in the world, which is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Somebody had to say it. All right. So the first two questions of our five key questions. And send in, whether it's at Nick uh, at Nick Wilson says on Twitter or at Nick Wilson says in my DMs. We'll read some of your responses here as we go along. Uh, so the first two questions. What was your first car and the first sporting event you actually remember attending? Number three. This is because uh, Thor Love and Thunder is out. I had a chance to see it this weekend. Friend of mine unintentionally spoiled something because I told him I think I'm going to go Thursday night because the girls were back down no. in Myrtle. And he unintentionally was like, hey, can you believe this happened? And I was like, oh, I I went full uh, full Sopranos mobster. I was like, oh, which uh, Gabagool. Gabagool. <laughs> uh, I almost said something else you can't say that is Italian. They say a lot as well. Uh, so how long is the spoiler window for a new movie or TV show?
0: So this might be a chotch answer. But <laughs> I, you? No. There's no timetable. And I say that because I'm watching Game of Thrones, as I've alluded to the last month or so with my cousin. This is my fourth viewing of the show. Like, last night was the Red Wedding episode, and I never once spoiled anything. So you should never spoil what's going to happen to somebody if you've already seen what's going to happen. So, Breaking Bad,
1: if you're just having a normal conversation with somebody, oh, I love this in Breaking Bad, and they're like, oh, I've never seen it. That's That's your problem? It's been 10 years since Breaking Bad took the airwaves. Like to me, so I actually have I've re- I've gotten real scientific about this. Ooh. For a new movie, if it's a blockbuster, like a new Star Wars or a new Marvel movie, right? Uh, the the uh, what the hell was the movie Tom Cruise just came out? The new Top, Top Gun. Gun. Great, by the way. If you guys haven't seen it, go see it. It's awesome. I'm not even a huge original Top Gun fan, and I love the sequel. However, for a new movie, it's three weeks. For a smash hit movie, it's three weeks. For a TV show, it's a little bit longer. What's this formula? It, I just I thought about it one time, three weeks. Cause listen, that's three weekends. That's three weekends you could have seen it. If you don't go and see it in that time, it's a two-hour movie. What the hell? Like when single guys are like, oh, I didn't have enough time. What
0: the bleep are you talking about? You don't have wife? You don't have a wife or kids? I thought you like, got scientific. Sir Isaac Newton didn't define gravity just by thinking about it one day. That's exactly what happened. <laughs>
1: and then he dropped an apple, and he's like, oh man. <laughs> You guys are going to freak. I got to tell you about this thing I've been thinking about that I just proved. <laughs> Three weeks. Three weeks for movies. TV shows is more complicated because because it's 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 a chunk of time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tend to extend a grace to five to six weeks out on a TV show. But if you're saying, oh, I can't wait to watch Stranger Things season four in the final two episodes. And it's six weeks later. And I, I, I'm not... I'm not gonna shut off other conversations around the office because you're too lazy to watch the damn show. Because that's really what, I'll never purposefully, well, I have, but I will never purposefully again go and be like, oh yeah, you like Stranger Things, you haven't seen it, it's been six weeks, oh, here's what happens, dot, 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 dot. But what ends up happening is you end up shortcutting a lot of your conversations to not spoil it for other people around it. Once it's three weeks out for a movie, six weeks out for a new TV show, if you haven't seen it yet, and you've said you wanted to, now you're just being lazy, I, I don't have to consider your feelings anymore. How about you? Do you have any scientific observations? No, I, I don't. All right, so how long is the spoiler window for a new movie or TV show? For me, it's two separate things. Number two, uh, Albert Pujols was just added to the uh, MLB All-Star Game uh, home run competition. So I, this got me thinking, because that's kind of... that's. It's, it's gonna pull at our
0: uh, our heartstrings there, uh, Albert. It's like a, it's like a career achievement award for Albert. I believe Miguel Cabrera got added, or no, he got added to just the game itself. Yes.
1: So who is one hitter you'd want in an all-time home run derby?
0: You're building the all-time, the all-star home run derby of all time. Who's one guy you'd want in there? The Met fan of me is gonna say Pete Alonso because he's going for the three Pete. The most dominant I've ever seen was Josh Hamilton in 08. But, like, it's got to go, it's got to be Barry Bonds. He's the all time. Oh, okay, post-Roids I, Barry Bonds.
1: I think most people, wait, post-Roids? So after or, he's been off the juice for or the like
0: last, Or, like, mixed steroids. You know, mid-Roids, like <laughs> mid-shooting Barry Bonds. Like with a needle in his bum, <laughs> that Barry
1: Bonds, that's the guy. Uh, I think the easy one is Barry Bonds or Willie Mays or Babe Ruth. I'm going to give you one, and it's absolutely a homer pick for Cleveland baseball. Albert Bell is the most prolific hitter that I've ever seen. That most people listening either don't remember or haven't heard of. He had a stretch run from probably 91 to probably 97 where he was the most dominant power hitter in the game. Frank Thomas, greater for a longer period of time. Ken Griffey was a much better all-around player and it probably had a better absolute peak. Albert Bell had a run as a hitter and just as a dude who would smack the hell out of a ball. That would be a guy that I'd want to see in there. Uh, All right, final one here. I have no idea what made me think of this either. I I would have known an hour ago if we'd done this on time. What's the farthest you've ever traveled? Miami, Florida. Okay, south. So, so for me, and it it, it's not from here. It's from Northeast Ohio to Naples, Florida. Ooh. Yeah, that's a twenty-two hour car ride. Um, because that's uh, Chicago's closer. New York is closer. Um. I've been a couple other places, but yeah, the farthest is from Cleveland to essentially same way you just said, you know, that Naples and Miami's the other side of the coast, but that length of a travel is as far as I've gone on one single car drive. I've yet to fly internationally. I cannot wait for that. I can't wait to go, unlike you, uh, who you non-worldly don't want to go across seas, I can't wait to travel uh, internationally. All right, guys, here are the five questions. What was your first car? The first sporting event you remember attending. How long is the spoiler window for a new movie or TV show? Who is one here do you want to see in an all-time home run derby? And what's the farthest you've traveled? Your responses lead off the final segment of the show. Next on Sports Radio, 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio, 92.7 FNC. Some of your responses coming in on the five questions, including what was your first car? My guy, Joe Murr saying a 69 Nova. So my, my second car was a 78 Thunderbird. I've mentioned this. It was uh, burnt orange with orange shag carpet in it. There are no cars. There are no cars that I wish I still had, that I have had, except for that car. I wish I, wish I could have waited uh, to, to let it go until I had enough money to actually restore it, because that was my baby and my mom actually sold it out from under me is um, I have not, my mom is a great mom. My parents, I had the best, I still have the best parents in the world. And, uh, there's one thing I'm still pissed at my mom about, right? The only mommy issue I had is that she sold my 78th Ford Thunderbird out from under me. And it was my second car though. It was not my first one. um, other ones we had here, we're asking for your first sporting event. Paul saying early 1970, maybe 71. I saw evil Knievel Jump. I've seen some things, said Paul. That's that's like a historical bucket list of things that would be awesome to have seen in my like I saw uh when my dad was getting back into radio, he had pirates tickets through the station he was working at, even though he worked in Ohio. And he took me to a pirates game. When, uh, when Mark McGuire was in St. Louis, I saw one of Mark McGuire's 70 home runs. So I didn't know it at the time. Cause I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was either early or like mid ish when it happened, but I saw one of those home runs. It was one of the coolest things like looking back on it, being able to say that I saw, uh, Corey saying pirates Cardinals at three rivers stadium. I'd love to watch a Cardinals game. Like I, wa- I went and saw the the Red Sox and Yankees at Fenway. I'd love to see a Cubs Cards game at uh, what is that? Bush Stadium, Wrigley's Wrigley. I'd I'd watch any Cubs game at Wrigley, but I'd love to see that rivalry game in St. Louis. And I'd I'd don. I'm I'm not big on donning colors that you're not directly affiliated with. Like I'm not a I'm not a bandwagon guy. I'm I'd like to I'd I'd don some Cardinals colors there. Mostly because it annoy my buddy who's a, a Cubs fan. Uh, Mike saying 71 Buick Skylark. And then we also had Kate saying that uh, one player she'd like to see in the home run derby is Cal Ripken Jr. Somebody asked me, somebody called me out of my Cleveland card because I had said Albert Bell. And I said not Jim Tomey. Multiple people. Wolfpack, um, one of the Wolfpack people. Wolfpack James saying Tomey over Bell. Uh, Jim Tomey is an awesome dude. Jim Tomey is one of the most prolific home run hitters I've ever seen. Albert Bell, of guys that I've watched in, night in, night out, and that includes Manny Ramirez, who is another Hall of Fame slugger. Albert Bell, from just pure power hitter, just pure power, has more power than anybody I ever saw play for the Cleveland Guardians. More than Jim Tomey, more than Manny Ramirez. Uh, Eddie Murray didn't have a lot of power late in his career. More than Travis Hafner. Like, there's nobody I've ever seen that has a kind of power, raw power. Maybe Mark Mark McGuire is the other guy, and Mark McGuire was on steroids. Albert was not on steroids. He was just fueled on his own anger. So continue sending those in. What was your first car? The first sporting event you remember attending. How long is the spoiler window for a new me- movie or TV show? Uh, Laura, Lauren. Sorry, Lauren. Saying uh two weekends have to pass for movies, one week for TV shows. That's interesting. I went the other way. Longer for TV shows, for spoilers, than 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 movies to me. Because a movie's a two-hour thing. That's in out bingo bango bongo. A TV show, you're talking about ten hours of content most times. I've seen this at name for the uh which which hitter would you want in an all-time home run derby? I've seen a lot of Ken Griffey Jr. That's an easy one. That's that's actually probably the, one of the last times that I can remember the All-Star Home Run Derby being like everybody in America was watching. I know that it's still a very watched event, and they've done a good job at reinventing it. Pete Alonso is so much fun to watch. I, I kind of hope he does get the uh, the the, thir- the 3 Pete. But Ken Griffey Jr., in in the uh, Home Run Derby was must-watch TV for about four or five years in the mid-'90s. That th- I don't think there's any ever, any Home Run Derby that will go that far. Because remember, McGuire was in some of those. Sosa was in some of those. Um, oh, Larry Walker was another great guy to watch in a Home Run Derby in the 90s. Another We're talking about great guys that people don't understand the greatness of. I know Larry Walker's in the Hall of Fame and Albert Bell isn't. Um Larry Walker had a moment late in Montreal, early in Colorado. And you can throw in Bichette and you can throw in Vinny Castilla and all those guys like uh, a big cat, Andres Galarraga. That's another guy I'd love to see in an all-time home run derby. Just dudes that could just whack a baseball 500 feet and not even think about it with a flick of their wrist. All right, guys, continue to send in your uh, bagel guy saying, is no one naming Aaron Judge? That's All right. If we're putting together an all-time home run derby, right? We're somehow getting players of any era into one home run derby. Uh, which Yankee of this era are you choosing between Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge? It's got to be Stanton, right? I don't know. Like, like he half swings and the ball goes five hundred feet. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think Giancarlo's probably the better hitter overall, but Aaron Judge. They're both behemoths. They're both they're both Julius Pepper-sized human beings, Sands like maybe 20 pounds less. That 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 got me thinking. I might have to give a better answer later. However, let's get to the Mark Spain real estate Nick pick. We got a Wilson winner yesterday. I took uh, at the time the Cardinals were plus 105 at home against the Phillies, and I I still can't figure out how that game had the action that it did. Uh, Miles Michaelis has been the better pitcher than Aaron Nola. Um, it was in St. Louis. They're roughly the are r- in terms of record. They're roughly in the same place. I think they're battling for the 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 second wild card spot or the last wild card spot. Excuse me. But I took the Cardinals, uh, and the Cardinals did get the win. It ended up going to uh, the first pitch. It was plus one eleven. So we got a Wilson winner tonight. You're not going to like this one, itty-bitty-fitty. The second half, nope, the second half of the doubleheader. David Peterson uh, on the road against Spencer Strider. I'm not, listen, Spencer Strider has been just ridiculous recently, and he's been just as good since moving to the rotation, which is, what was that, May 30th when he moved into the rotation, which I didn't point out yesterday when we talked about it. It's the odds here. The Mets are plus 170. 170. I have no idea if David Peterson can can withstand the barrage of 102-mile-an-hour fastballs that Spencer Strider's going to be slinging towards Mets batters. But that plus 170 in a rivalry game with the Mets being the better team over the first three months, four months of the season, I'm going to take the Mets plus 170. Itty-bitty-fitty, speak now or forever hold your peace.
0: Do you just like ruining my sporting events
1: when I go home to watch them? Do you just only focus on the times that I was wrong on? Yes. Because I've picked the Tar Heels to win in football and basketball and been right before. I've picked the Mets to win in baseball before and been right. But you're just going to talk about the three times that I jinxed your team. It's only a jinx if it's a consistent jinx across the board like the Mac skirt,
0: the Mac curse. You know how... Us Met fans that exist in this building, how we feel about the Braves, the Braves fans, and the fact that this feels like a playoff-like series. And, and now... N- you only won a game. What are you doing? You just won the game last One's night. One's not enough,
1: Nick. Yeah, yes, but if this is the second game, and I was right, I expect a public apology tomorrow on the show, because you're being a full-blown chotch here on Charminger Chotch Tuesday.
0: Fair. Okay. If If the Mets win tonight... I will apologize. Mm-hmm. If they lose, though, this is what you deserve. You deserve the wrath of my anger. What is the wrath of your I, anger? I, I, I don't know. You're a but, hill person. What are you going to do to me? You know,
1: I don't know. I We're, We'll get you a chair. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a chair, maybe some stilts, and then you'll have a fair fight. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, that's a Mark Spain real estate Nick picks. See if I can make it two in a row on baseball. I have not had a great summer in picking baseball. NFL and NBA, we did a we did a pretty good job this year. Nah. Major League Baseball, not so much, Charlie. All right, final segment, or final part of the final segment of the show, except for What You're Burning On. Itty Bitty Fitty in 30 seconds, What You're Burning On.
0: So, as I, I, I burned on yesterday, it was Red Wedding Night for the Game of Thrones, watching for my cousin. And it was everything I wanted it to be. You've seen the episode, right? And I know I just complained about spoilers, but I'm about to just spoil it for everybody. When um, when they shut the door and the Reigns of Castamere starts playing in the background, I just looked at my cousin for the next, like, a minute, minute and a half, just to see his reaction to what was about to happen in the show. And when what happens happens, he literally had the remote in his hand and just went, what the hell, and just threw it. And, like, we sat there for 20 minutes, and he was debating if he wanted to watch the show or not. He was ready to give up the show. But I reined him back in. We finished season three. We'll start season four tonight. And it was just moments that lived up to the hype. Whether it's on the sporting, you know, the sporting playing field, in the movies, TV show, whatever. I live for those moments. I had one of those last
1: night. What's the, uh, what's the name of that song? Reigns of Castamere. Yeah, that sounds like a Zeppelin song. It, do- it does, yeah. doesn't it? No, I'm not saying the actual song sounds like that because I, I can't remember what it sounds like, but the name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, all I, right, before we play Stairway to Heaven, we're going to play Reigns of Castamere.
0: I was trying to think oh, of the lyrics, and I was gonna start singing it for you, but I—the I, lyrics started escaping my brain threshold. In
1: the reigns of Castamere. That's right, just stairway to heaven. Sorry about that. That wasn't my best moment. All right, guys, that does it for the show today. Big thanks to all of our guests. I might, I might, I might not get. No, I don't have time. We gotta get out here. We gotta give way to KB. He's got plenty of takes to bestow on the Baker Mayfield show. This is your final week.
0: You're gonna burn, damn it. Damn right, I'm burning. <laughs> Screw you, Bailey. It's my show until I sign off. Uh,
1: I am burning on. I'm very, I'm very excited for the Carolina Panthers now that Baker Mayfield's here, and I can't wait to see how it works out because I think he's the right guy uh, for this franchise. I think he's the right guy. There's. I don't know if he's going to be the right guy for the Panthers three years from now or five years from now, but they need a shot in the arm, and they need a guy who can go out there, play with a chip on his shoulder, and lead this team out of the abyss that Dave Tepper and Matt Rule have led them to. I think he can be that guy, and I I, can't, I find myself getting a little bit excited for the Panthers with Baker Mayfield listening to the press conference earlier today. All right, guys, uh, big thanks to our guest, Ross Tucker. Big thanks to our guest. Ellis Williams Uh, We've got more tomorrow We're going to talk with Bill Ryder We're supposed to talk to him today But the Baker Press Conference pushed it out of the way If you missed any of today's show WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits and interviews Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the Nick Wilson Show podcast On Spotify, Apple Podcasts Everywhere You get your podcast However That does it for us guys Uh, Hashtag Shut It Down continues Tomorrow Three more shows left in the Nick Wilson Show here in Charlotte until tomorrow at 10 a.m. Nick Wilson for Itty Bitty Fitty saying, "Stay safe and be good, Charlotte." Lord, I love you, Carolina.
0: Hasta La Vista, baby. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See you later. Charmed, I'm sure. That's all, folks. Okay, bye.